0: And welcome to our gaming podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about gaming, guys. Yeah. Oh man, have you seen the latest Overwatch League thing? Yeah, play? I love, Ooh. I love to game. <laughs> yes, John gaming's who, my who favorite. Who do you main in Overwatch? <laughs> um tracer because that's the only one it's, i can name off the top of my yeah, head yeah i um the gorilla is watson wilson what's his name what <laughs> yeah sure for the sake of this podcast all right, i'm just watson. gonna i'm just gonna bask in the fact that i i I haven't played a, a video game seriously in about four years <laughs> but i know those things about overwatch so you know what <laughs> for for those who like oh you don't know anything about gaming screw you all right? i right i've learned this stuff through osmosis further proof of how old we are it's like video games are those still the thing <laughs> i haven't played anything since super mario no we're we're old we don't have the time anymore no or at least yeah, i don't have the time anymore john do you well I f- it feels like gaming is like a second job and oh, i think that's, that's true, why yeah. people they just naturally go to twitch because then it becomes your second job <laughs> sure <laughs> just twitch for 16 hours and you yeah. get paid for it for somehow I, perplexingly yeah i remember a an article on kotaku <laughs> That mm-hmm. was like trying to elicit sympathy for the for the streamer, like, ugh, what a, what a heart. You think it's just like you know uh, screwing around on your game? No, it's not. You have to wake up first thing in the morning, and then sit down and stream for upwards of eight hours to attract uh, to attract that sweet sweet money on Twitch. Mm. I'm like, wow, wait, you have to go someplace where you don't necessarily want to go for eight hours and then leave, like like, a, like it's like a job, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> you're saying it's not, it's, it's not there, and it's yeah. That
0: must be really unhealthy. I know. Oh dear. I know. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's it's. Shame, I I can see they're they're unlike every other person around the world who has to do that. These Twitch streamers, ugh, what a what a. Well, no, okay. So the concern is like the poor Twitch streamers. What about the Twitch audience? Who are these people (laughs) who are just feeding in between an eight-hour session of gaming? That's what I want to know. Like, all right, fine. Like a, a thirty-minute YouTube thing that's edited down. I totally understand watching that. I'd Like, people are like, "Oh, you watch video games? That's weird." I don't think that's weird. I think sitting and watching that for eight hours on Twitch. I think well, it's very strange. Well, I don't think strange. they. I don't think they watch it for the full. I don't think they watch the full stream. First, I understand the excitement of like watching it live. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're there, and but, it's possible that you know they're not going to repost it on YouTube later, so you're going to miss it. You might miss it. Mm -hmm. So I I can understand that motivation. But I do think people, uh, again, I don't know about the behavior on Twitch, but people do like, you know, stop in for half an hour or something like that. And then, well, I mean, but it's like, do this Twitch streamers then have to do an eight hour session to catch those little, (laughs) yes, (laughs) that's because otherwise they're going to miss those folks, those, those (laughs) new listeners or new listeners, new viewers or whatever. Let's call them listeners. Yeah, let's probably, call them listen- They probably John, have another tab that's open. that's what we have to do. We have to stream for eight hours just talking. <laughs> they probably have another tab open right now to porn. You'll get a porn. <laughs> how dare you? Well, John. Shame I mean, on don't, you. Don't, don't Shame uh, on how, you. How, you seem to think so little of our audience. I like to think they have um, an important news site open, like The Atlantic or The Economist. know. <laughs> Greg, it's because they're listening to this on the internet, and the internet is for garbage people. Okay, <laughs> only garbage people are on the internet. Let's John, be we're on the. Uh, let's be frank. I, exactly. So you, I know. Oh, you consider yourself one of those garbage people? Uh, yeah. You don't? <laughs> uh, I I I think better of myself. <laughs> well, and that's where you're wrong. <laughs> I think we. I think this show, this show in particular, the Aspiring Snobs podcast, where um, that concludes our gaming discussion. Let's get back to movies. <laughs> <laughs> We actually elevate the discourse. We can kind of um speak uh, intellectually about the uh this art this art form and you know, issues of the day, like gaming. hmm And which we really didn't discuss. No. <laughs> we were just like gaming, what's this? Yeah, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> Whatever. Get it out of here. All right. Now that we've done our uh opening dismissives. <laughs> We can get to the actual discussion. Yes, exactly. John, let's, let's dispense with the, the, the work of the, the lower classes, all right? Mm, you, and I, yes. you and I are a little bit better than that. In fact, you could mm. say you and I are members of the ruling class.
1: Nice. This ancient land of ritual, this precious stone set in the Silver Sea. The toast is England this precious stone set in the silver sea.
0: air bump boom yeah i've never heard of an air bump oh sorry that that was a terrorist fist bump i just did for you. that's that's a beneath us that's beneath yeah, th- us thanks thanks john 2000, 2008 appreciates that shout out yes <laughs>
1: that that happened like 10 sports years center. ago that was a ago. i know
0: ago. i'm like sports center i haven't updated in 10 years it's great <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite everyone remember that that's great we're not dying yeah look out for our harlem shake video <laughs> coming out soon <laughs> Yes, John. This is the this is the this is the podcast for Bygone Age, and let me tell you about the the movie we're looking at, you know, this this week from the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. The ruling class takes place in the fictional country of Wakanda, <laughs> an African nation ruled by five tribes. <laughs> oh, so that's why I couldn't understand anybody. The yeah, vocabulary exactly. and the accents are just so out there. <laughs> Wait, I saw a few movies this weekend. I think I'm a little mixed up. I, What's this movie about again? So The Ruling Class is a uh, satire, based on a stage play, but it's a satire of uh, English society, uh, religion, and some other uh, a, a deep, incisive portrait of mental illness, I think you'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's not the most accurate depiction of mental illness, but at least I get the word, the verbiage right. Yeah, I suppose. Um, it's possible mm-hmm. that a lot Paranoid of people have never even heard of this movie. Mm but this was recommended to us by the the biggest uh film snob that we know. Mm-hmm. So we had to, you know, we had to look at it and, you know, again, you you really like um kind of these uh these theatrical adaptations. Um, sure. <laughs> uh Sure. <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I kind of like. Um, I don't know where you're getting that idea from. I uh, well, it was released 2 years after Fiddler on the Roof. This is the connection I'm making. <laughs> oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> And then a year before, Man from La Mancha, which we talked about last week, yeah, so this movie stars Peter O'Toole mm-hmm. um a few other legends of the British stage and screen, but it is it is very, very English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, given the subject matter, how could it not be? That's true It's literally about the ruling class, centered around like dukes and earls, yeah, centered, uh, like around a literal Earl in the House of mm-hmm. Lords. <laughs> Yes, and uh, the succession following that. So. so the premise is the an Earl dies accidentally playing some kind of auto-erotic asphyxiation game? I, yeah, I don't... I, this movie literally throws you in the deep end without floaties. <laughs> it starts with a the accidental suicide of an Earl. Mm-hmm. And then t- basically the family is faced with literally passing on this this lineage to a mentally ill son who thinks he's God. Yeah, he thinks he's literally Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the family obviously did not know about him because they kept it under wraps, but now that they need someone to be this duke, they uh, have brought him up to the big leagues. Yeah, and because of his mental illness, they hatch a plan to essentially get him married, uh, sire sire a, a son, and then mm-hmm. they can have him committed and just give the earlship to the young son. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and the mistress that they're, you know, Getting that they've roped into woman. this scheme, yeah. Exactly. She's obviously uh, one of the conspirators, and she's totally willing and game to do this, <laughs> based on, you know, because she wants to be, join the upper echelons of society herself, so why not, she says. Yeah. Game. Game. John, game is a good word. <laughs> hmm Because I, I liken this movie to another movie we've looked at called The Rules of the Game. mm mm-hmm. And that's about a very aristocratic French family, and you could see some maybe parallels to this. Mm-hmm. but my my lord is this movie aggressively wacky <laughs> it is it is zany to the max it is all the way up to 11. <laughs> yeah so I, again starting with that opening scene where we're not even sure I, I couldn't even understand that actor <laughs> it, the not only just the not only just the accents but also the vocabulary like I just i was just you're completely unmoored in that opening scene and you don't understand what he's doing he's he's requesting that his uh faithful servant Tucker we will get to his character later. Mm -hmm. um literally hang a noose above his bed Mm -hmm. and then he sets up a ladder and allows himself to swing on his neck but then always retreats you're also forgetting that he dresses up in half military regalia (laughs) forgot about that (laughs) and a tutu so you know male up top female on the bottom yeah so again hold your sides together for that if you can understand what the heck that means i mean maybe maybe it was an attempt to get it like Monty Python level humor or something. I, I wasn't sure. This is see, but Greg, this is where the disconnect must begin. Okay. Because I loved this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I had such a good time watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved this opening scene because again, it's it plays it so straight faced. Does it? And <laughs> so it which shows part, how... which part of him putting on the tutu, on the putting on the tutu and the and the hat, you know. <laughs> It's the banality of it. It's the fact that Ugh. this is a ritual for him, okay. and it's the fact that Tucker is kind of the put upon manservant who's like, "Yes, sir, I'll go get you your whiskey." As you know, he hangs his noose up and mm-hmm. gets him, you know, ready right to go, all sporting in his mood. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great, and I love the energy to it. You're right; it's obviously not meant for everybody. It's absurd to, you know, cranked up to 11, and then, then some. But I liked that. I loved that. I mean, that's kind of what I was in the mood for, and that's <laughs> what I loved about this movie. What you were in the mood for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always in the mood for a little absurdist humor. Okay. I. Yeah. Again, I just reiterate, I feel completely unmoored. And like you said, this is designed for certain people, Again, on a rock in the North Atlantic 40 years ago is who it seems for. Like, it does not, I could not find any relation to today. I, I couldn't find, like, anything to, like, kind of grab onto in terms of, like, I don't know what level of reality we're on, but nothing, like, kind of, like, struck me. I mean, I think that's maybe the point is the fact that, yes, it's recognizably taking place on the upper echelons of British society. But again, the whole point is that all their little proclivities and weird eccentricities are kept kind of hidden from the public. So this whole idea is that, well, we don't really know what's going on with these people or what happens behind closed doors. So it literally could be anything like, you know, autoerotic asphyxiation while wearing a tutu, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you wanted to explore that, then you could tailor the story around, let's say, voyeurism or point of view or public perception and have like a a reporter character or have like, you know, more of a commoner. I wish the movie was seen from the perspective of Tucker, who, um, mm-hmm. as the plot progresses, he he inherits a uh, thirty thousand pounds, like kind of like life changing mm-hmm. money um, from from the suicide of this uh, Earl. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of the movie, what I, the jokes that did land is how ambivalent he is to actually serving uh, the family. <laughs> yeah, but that and yeah, and but that's kind of like it's kind of reasonable because again he's lived in this scenario for so long. He's just kind of rolling his eyes, and he's just kind of learned to live with it. So he's not really an outsider anymore. At this point, he's very much embedded in the lifestyles so well, of all these crazy people. Yeah. Well, I think he also, there's a monologue where he intones that it's kind of it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome. Like, this is the only life I know, you know, even mm-hmm. though I have this this money and can leave at any time, like, I, I don't know any other life outside of this. Yeah. And also, it's important foreshadowing because in that speech, it reveals that he's kind of a communist. He's a socialist. Yeah. <laughs> That too, and th- that finally, finally, over the over the interminable th- final act. <laughs> okay, I will around. admit, but anyway, I will that, admit yeah. this movie is way too long. Yes, yeah, so it I, is two and a half hours, and it definitely overstays. with no intermission. I'm sure yeah. there was an intermission in the original stage play, but not here.
1: Everything you touch, see, and feel glorifies my love. The top hat is my mic, and the walking stick, my rod. Oh dear. Once I get started, it's... it's terribly difficult to stop. I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's fascinating. How do you know your God? It's simple. When I pray to him, I find I'm talking to myself. I see. Well, how did it happen? How did you come to be in this state of grace? Like every prophet, I saw visions, heard voices, I ran. But the voices of St. Francis, Socrates, General Gordon and Timothy O'Leary all told me I was God. It was Sunday, August 25th at 3.32. I heard a terrible thunderclap and saw a body of light like the light from the sun and red as fire. I cried, Hallelujah, Lord, what will you do? But the light vanished, a blackness, a darkness, until a great brush dipped in light swept across the sky and I saw the diversity, distinction, variety all clearly rolled up into the unity of universal love. Where did all this happen? East
0: Acton, outside the public urinal. I, I desperately wanted one. But anyway, that's that's the one character identified with and liked mm-hmm. from this. But let's let's get to the real star of the show, John. You also just liked him because he's drinking from a flask the whole time. He's that's... always just constantly drunk. I, Well, <laughs> every character's drunk and out of their mind, aren't they? <laughs> to some extent. Well, there's at one point... There's, he serves two drinks to people, and one person refuses, and it goes, waste not one, yeah, and exa- then throws yeah. it back. Yeah. <laughs> so there are those little pithy lines, but come on, John, let's get to, let's get to the stars. Oh, this movie has so many great lines. Ugh. This I movie didn't... has so many great lines. I know, but spaced out over the course of two and a half hours. Like, it didn't... They didn't... I mean, also, they come kind of hard and fast, so it's also kind of hard to catch them. Yeah. I'm sure on repeat viewings, I would catch more of them, but there were a few that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the star of the show, Peter O'Toole. As the as, as the big J.C. Jack. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I said J.C. We'll get to Jack later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he literally thinks he's the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And uh, he comes in wearing monk robes and, you know, long flowing hair and a perfectly trimmed beard. And, you know, he preaches love and kindness and forgiveness. He sleeps on a and- cross. <laughs> Exactly, he literally sleeps on a cross, you know, that's kind of part of his ritual. And I really liked his performance, I thought he's kind of, like, perfect for it. And also, it's Peter O'Toole, so I assumed he was drunk the whole time, so, you know, that adds a lot to the character, so I'm sure he Maybe. was erratic and not fun to work with, so just... he obviously brings that to the production. Yeah, I, I will say, the the introduction is funny, because I, I don't think he shows up until about 20 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. and we've we've well established the rest of his family, who who explain, like, how worried they are about his behavior. We see how stuffy they are um, mm-hmm. and how aristocratic they are. And it's funny to see, like, in sharp contrast, how he comes in um, being, at first, like, very enthusiastic and loving. Mm-hmm. That works. Um, it's as it progresses. Well, it's kind of, a, well, yeah, we should probably explain that opening scene. He's also, uh, he, at one point, um, rips off those monk robes and reveals, like, a white suit underneath. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, is where it kind of changes, <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause there's kind of like, okay, in sharp relief to the stuffiness of this aristocratic society, you know, he can be open and enthusiastic. But it's the kind of forced zaniness that we see later. Mm. That's where he kind of loses me. I guess that's fair because the other thing too is like it's never it's never a hundred percent clear how much other people are participating in it. The other weird thing that happens throughout this movie is show tunes. <laughs> so I understand your confusion last week that this could have been a musical. Yeah. Because at certain points, little interludes, people will break out into song. Yeah. And like, it should have been a musical. Everybody's doing the varsity drag. Yeah. And and those are great. Like it should have been a musical. Like that's yeah. that's those are the little moments where my my that elicited some laughs out of me. <laughs> like at one point he has two like wealthy dowagers over and right at they start doing the varsity dance, as you said. And that was, that was hysterical. Yeah, and I mean, it's always hard to do a movie based around a crazy person because do you shoot it from everyone else's perspective or his perspective? Mm-hmm. But then does that, you know, lend to unreliable narration? And so halfway, this movie starts to do that a bit more because uh, the other delusion he has is he believes he's married to a woman who does not exist. Yeah, Marion, I believe her name is. Yes, a French woman. Oh yes, Ooh la la. So yeah, so already you also see comes in singing Mozart. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> you know she's French. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, yeah, they they concoct this little scheme. I mean, it's just a, it's just another great sign of how much he he contrasts with this society that he would you know fall in love with a French woman. But mm-hmm. um, basically, they they start and this, this comes into play later, they kind of meet this cra- crazy Jack about halfway <laughs> mm-hmm. by giving this wonderfully operatic introduction to what, what will be his wife. And then this also helps the scheme because they eventually introduce him into the woman that they want him to marry and sire a child with, mm-hmm. and they have her dressed up basically as Marie Antoinette. <laughs> well, this, this also introduces, and I wanted to see, again, you, you, you welcome the zaniness of Peter O'Toole's character, but he's not mm-hmm. kind of the only plot line here we have other so the so the the woman that he is uh betrothed to mm-hmm. is actually the mistress of uh his uncle charles charles who's also in this uh in this gurney family and also stands to gain a lot by s- seeing a competent earl in the house of lords mm-hmm. and so he kind of gives away his mistress or forces her into this situation mm-hmm. um i was wondering like because there, there's there's little signs of conflict cuz she's she's gung ho about it like she's she's all for it like she says sure I'll marry this guy it's fine and you know, and it just leads to his consternation a little bit more but that but that plot line isn't really fully realized like where where does it progress what it, I mean it doesn't it doesn't 100% kind of go al- I mean I was kind of expecting this to happen but in the standards of all of these stories when someone basically fakes love with someone else, obviously what's going to happen? It's going to turn into genuine love. Yeah, <laughs> And that's kind of what happens with her as well. She kind of does start gaining affection for him and does eventually kind of betray Charles for mm-hmm. the sake of Jack. But also when we contrast that with Jack's arc, like it turns really dark. And so she doesn't really get redemption. She continues being a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> once we see, you know, what Jack becomes. Yeah, and then, and granted, that does play in later, o- hours later, it feels like. <laughs> but yeah, we see how that pays off later. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, it is it it is kind of strange because like the direction the story eventually takes, and you're right, it doesn't really give a lot of credence to the rest of the characters because of that. Because again, the big arc is with Jack, and it goes in such a kind of crazy direction that everyone just kind of goes like, Oh, oh well, he's cured, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't give a lot of everyone else a lot of agency. No. Um, yeah. Oh that and that leads actually to the other kind of plot line I wanted to mention. There is um, Charles is married, but his mm-hmm. wife, who's also part of this uh, this aristocratic family, is having an affair with a German psychiatrist who's caring for Jack. Exactly. He thinks he can cure Jack. Yeah. And so he also gets a great line. She's like is. She she asks him at one point, well, what's the truth? He says, don't ask me for the truth. All I have is explanations. <laughs> well, I, I you're right. That That is a good line because this is the only kind of plot line or relationship that I actually like buy. <laughs> okay. It's the only one that seems <laughs> to take place in reality. Hmm. And so, because, and we have clear motivations in that, you know, she's part of this family. Like, she obviously wants something out of Jack. He obviously wants to care for Jack. Like, he seems earnestly motivated in caring for Jack. And then they develop these feelings for one another. But, again, like, I was was wondering where exactly it leads to in the story. Um okay, you're right, nothing, (laughs) nothing kind of, not everything comes to an end. that wasn't meant to be a challenge against you, it wasn't meant to be like, aha, I've got you, (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, I'm just kind of registering my disappointment that these, these things kind of don't coalesce is my, is my problem. No, but I think if you're given an absurdist story, that's okay, Mm -hmm. that can kind of be forgiven at times, as long as, you know, you're kind of thoroughly entertained, like, you're right, like a, kind of strong connection to this movie would definitely be something inspired by Monty Python. Mm-hmm. And how does Monty Python and the Holy Grail end? Everyone just gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and it just plays that music. <laughs> like, there's your lot. So yeah. I do like that they gave Jack a direction and they gave him kind of an arc. But you're right. Is it the most satisfying conclusion? And does everyone kind of get tied up nicely? Absolutely not. You're
1: absolutely right. I'm purged of doubts and negative innuendos. Today I want to bless everything. Bless the crawfish with its scuttling walk. Bless the trout, pilchard, and periwinkle. Bless Ted Smoothie of 22 East Hackney Road. Bless the mealy red pole, the black-gloved wallaby and W.C. Fields who's dead but lives on. Bless the snotty-nosed giraffe. Bless the buffalo. Bless the Society of Women Engineers. Bless the pygmy hippo. Bless the mighty cockroach. Bless me. Today's my wedding.
0: just gonna bring up this well while we're while we're discussing the qualities of this movie let's mm. talk about i think about the biggest set piece and that's the wedding day oh i loved that i thought oh. it was so fun <laughs> <laughs> you loved it so so grace the mistress and jack are gonna get married and they get married and, you know, like, I love the contrast of it. Because obviously they're going through the whole ceremony. They're just rushing it and trying to do it very quickly. So it's like they're bothering with all the poppin' circumstances but half-assing it. Yeah, we'll have it. yeah, like literally there are no guests at the wedding. It's all just <laughs> the characters who, we, who we've seen. Like, so four people filling up a, a big uh, Anglican church. <laughs> exactly. And then they do the reception in the backyard with a tent. But the cake is, like, falling over. It's, like, yes. leaning to one yeah. side. No, that's, that's fine. The little sight gags they have here is fine. Mm-hmm. what i object to is jack
1: because
0: mm-hmm. again it's it's sharp relief to see him being kind of like open and loving mm-hmm. here though he uh, again cranks it to 11 Mm -hmm. And it's a really a strong argument against mental illness reform. Like I wanted to see him electroshocked immediately. (laughs) Oh, he's riding on a three wheeler. He's he's throwing confetti around. Like I, he's putting party hats on everyone. He's just making it festive. uh, uh, Come on, uh, come on. No, I was like, no, this is a bridge too far. Oh, Craig. Come again, on. Again, I would stick he him, to, vows, I would stick him gonna, to the front the front lines in World War II he, <laughs> if I could. He vows that he's going to love Grace from the top of his head to the tip of his penis. Okay? It's so romantic. Oh, uh, whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure at this point audiences will already know if they're, if they're amenable <laughs> to this movie or not. <laughs> Speaking of which, we should probably also explain, like, again, you've... I you you seem to be more uh, accepting of this kind of wackiness. I do see uh, a big influence on the work of Wes Anderson, um, another filmmaker who I can't stand. <laughs> so maybe that's just mean, the, if if you find if you do like Wes Anderson movies, maybe you will find something. Even though this 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 movie has more teeth than a Wes Anderson movie does, and yep. is less right. sentimental. Like uh, maybe you'll find maybe you'll find the comedy. Um, um good i guess <laughs> i wouldn't say it has more teeth i'm just saying it's a little more dramatic so those kind of moments hit a little harder well, whereas like you're right wes anderson's a little more whimsical so when those moments do hit they don't feel as hard they don't feel as harsh he's not trying to make you uncomfortable yeah well when i say teeth like this movie is trying to make you uncomfortable in terms of its uh, religious kind of satire I guess that's because he th- yeah. he thinks he's God, but he he acts out, you know. And some people try to challenge him, like with a miracle or something like that. And mm-hmm. you know, again, you're never quite you're never quite sure whose point of view we're seeing this from. So, like I, another I guess, great line, another great line I'm going to throw at you though yeah. is at one point a character asks him, "How did you know you were God?" And he responds, "When I realized I was praying, mm. I was talking to myself." Yeah, yeah. So. Wop, wop. Got him. <laughs> yeah, double meaning satire. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Those English sure know how to write them. Anyway. Well, it's funny you brought up, so this is based on a play. Yeah. And I did not know that in my initial viewing, but I kind of figured it out, because <laughs> it is very stagey. And, and typically in movies, you don't have characters giving soliloquies yeah. and doing little like staging and dancing around. At one point, Grace is like getting ready for her wedding night. She's going to perform coitus. Yeah. You know, so they can bear an air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like explaining that, you know, to the audience, she's like breaking the fourth wall that she's literally can do striptease for any. Yeah. Well, this literally the stripper is playing. The stripper song is playing while she's while she's stripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like a cabaret theme. Yeah. Like. Da-na-na-na-na. Yeah. Well, she, really, she is talking to uh, Jack, who's outside the room. Oh, OK. But it, right. it, it it might as well be directed to the audience <laughs> and about about how, how she's she's been around. Like she. knows Exactly. <laughs> I mean, even in the initial scene when the Earl is, like, getting ready to do his little, you know, choke and stroke, uh, <laughs> he's, too, like, talking yeah, to what appears to be an audience, like, explaining his thought process and stuff yeah. like that. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think there's any, I think it's just the choking. I'm not sure about the stroking, but, okay. Then <laughs> <You're laughs> again, he is wearing a You're right, how he is he going to tutu? Tutu. Yeah, so I, I, can't, I can't discern what level we're operating on. But anyway, <laughs> oh, oh, that, that was going to be my other problem is that yeah, in general like I don't like uh filmed plays for that reason like um the direction is like so wide. Mm-hmm. It is literally like the frame has to capture like six characters standing around in this giant it mostly takes place in this giant parlor. Mm-hmm. Uh very ornate and you know like good good production in terms of that in that regard. But the one scene I wish I wish they'd done more is um kind of uh during an act break or I I'm not sure when this happens in the play but um, the German doctor has a plan to treat Jack, and it's by bringing in another crazy person who claims oh, that he's. Oh, I died. love this scene too. Ooh, <laughs> I, I love this scene. Well, I liked it because finally the, the direction isn't played. It's not played out in a wide anymore. Now we see it from one character's point of view and another character's point of view, and they're oh, kind of circling each mm, other. Mm, and now, and then mm, mm, I got a little. Mm, I more disagree. I think you're not okay. giving you're not giving this movie enough credit because oh. you're right. A lot of it does take place in wides, but for those dramatic shots. There are a lot of close-ups. There's a lot of like straight-to-camera point-of-views with the characters staring right at you, and I do think it works very hard in those kind of dramatic scenes to make you uncomfortable. And I think it adds a nice contrast. Mm. So it kind of lures you into like, oh, it's like a play. You're watching some kind of like boring period piece, and then all of a sudden, you know, break out into song. Ha ha! You know, it's kind of like uh, it's like *Fly of the concords in that way. By Concord's uh, very dry, and then we break into a music video I, a, a dry music video though it's all it's all kind of up a piece bro this oh, <laughs> no this feels no. like eight different movies kind of crammed in one <laughs> yes, more, more it's, is more yeah. more is great <laughs> it wants to make you uncomfortable, but it also wants to make you like Peter O'Tooles character. you know it wants to do all these things um so. ah. and again, I was commending it for that scene because again, the direction really adopts what, what direction should be. It puts us between the characters instead of, like, playing out in the wide, you know? And I got, like, uh, taken in a little bit more. And I would be... Ha- and what this scene does secures Jack, and I would be happy if it ended there. But, John, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> it does go on very for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the reason why I loved it is because it's very reminiscent of one of my favorite scenes from Network, where you are messing with the primordial forces <laughs> of nature. And... It's it's I I loved the kind of satire of it because again like they brought forth a character who also thinks he's God but this is a very like Old Testament God whereas like Jack has been you know espousing like Jesus you know like love, love and friendship yeah, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have this character who's literally like a cross between Old Testament God and Zeus yeah he's, who's like I'm gonna zap you he with says he's like seven God million thunder, volts yeah and eight million volts yeah. nine million <laughs> volts. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I thought it was great. No, that scene, it does go on for too long. Yeah. I, again, hugest criticism of this movie. It goes on way too long. Yeah, because, again, Espe- I like that scene. Especially in that third act. Yeah, I will admit I like that scene. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it does lead to Jack getting cured. Yeah, He no longer thinks he's God, uh, now he, he will acknowledge that his name is Jack. <laughs> mm-hmm. But John, that's not what the zaniness ends, does it? <laughs> no. So, yeah. for a while, we're led to believe that Jack has been cured, mm-hmm. and he starts kind of ingratiating himself into society again, yeah. and we get a little foreshadowing. Um, he goes out hunting. He does what normal British aristocrats yeah. do. And, and we should say, there are little signs that he still um, is not mentally fit, because he's stuttering, he... Um... There was one more, like, brief musical number, I think, what they do the varsity dance at a pub or something like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was praying it, it would end there on a good note, but <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> well, okay, so it's like, we're getting a few scenes where it's becoming quite evident that Jack is still not comfortable in his skin. Yeah. He's still not kind of 100% sane just yet. And so what happens is, because he doesn't believe he's Jesus Christ anymore, he adopts a new persona. Well, he's accepted that his name is Jack. <laughs> Who's another famous Jack? Oh, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and again, in sharp contrast to Jesus Christ, who yeah. had love for all the world, Jack the Ripper just wants to murder people. <laughs> well, not just people, uh, prostitutes. <laughs> oh, 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 so prostitutes aren't people, Greg? I just, well, I'm just being as and specific as possible. And the proper term possible. is sex just, worker, yeah, Greg? It, okay. Again, he didn't want to just murder people, otherwise, he would have murdered regular people, you know, but he had a very specific audience he was going after. Wow. Okay. Whew. All right. We're gonna talk about this more when we talk about Black Panther. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> stay with us for another fifteen minutes. <laughs> but I I do like the direction that it kind of takes because again, like he just adap he just adapts to a much worse personality, one of a murderous psychopath. But the thing is, it fits perfectly within the aristocratic society. I'm sorry. Perfectly. Yeah. Because, again, like, you've talked about that little musical number where he talks about, you know, like, what brings that about is he's talking about how we need to return to, like, capital punishment. We need to return to this kind of more uh Oh, that's when, he, that's when he actually gets into the House of Lords. So he's cured and he is permitted to join. Well, no, but it sets it up when he goes out for that hunting trip, that fox hunting trip. Oh, okay. And the leg like Bone's connected to the... Whip, bone, crack. Oh, they, you know, he, ta- oh, he, no, he starts talking about that. That's after so, oh, yeah, the first you're right. scene. Okay, it wasn't the varsity dance. It was the, the joint song, whatever that's called. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the first scene we see him outside the house where he's adapted the, to Jack the Ripper because he's mm-hmm. wearing the trench coat and the top
1: hat. Yeah. In the old days, the executioner kept the common herd in order. When he stood on its gallows, you knew God was in his heaven all right for the world. The punishment for blaspheming was to be broken on the wheel. First the fibula, crack. Then the tibia, patella and femur, crack, crack, crack. Then the corpus, ulna and radius, crack. Disconnect them bones then, dry bones. Disconnect them bones then, dry bones. Disconnect them bones then, dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. Will your head bones connected to your neck bone? Your neck bones connected to your shoulder bone? Your shoulder bones connected to your backbone? Your backbone's connected to your hip bone? Your hip bones connected to your thigh bone? Now hear the word of the Lord. Gentlemen, we understand each other perfectly.
0: So I like the kind of direction that it starts taking. Um, again, goes on a little too long, because you know not only do we have to see him kind of get um, coronated, but we also have to see all the other characters get their comfits. Well, we, yeah, uh, th- this is where this is where it really lost me. <laughs> Because initially, like, I thought it was going to be a religious satire. Again, there's that sign that, like, a character, like, coming down, or, like, a, a, a character emblematic of a aristocratic society that has to come down to earth. Um, mm-hmm. Because not only does he no longer think he's God, there's also a lot of mentions of, like, you know, our, our once great empires crumbled now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can see some connection there between, like, English society and this character who who thinks he's above it all. Literally, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a god. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the point that the psychiatrist makes is that you know, uh, paranoid schizophrenics suffer from delusions of grandeur. Well, he's already at the upper echelons of society. Who's higher than that? Yeah, God. Exactly, yeah. That's why he thinks he's God. <laughs> yeah. So, but I didn't see where like Jack the Jack the Ripper kind of came in. Like oh, I didn't because... I didn't see that connection other than like you know, like okay, in sh- in sharp relief to. Uh, his his loving message as Jesus Christ. Now he's much more moralistic, and you know believes in capital punishment and killing prostitutes. You know the most because now no one thinks he's crazy. When he thought he was Jesus Christ oh, and okay. espousing a message of love, everyone's mm-hmm. like, "You're nuts." Yeah. But now that he's uh, uh, now that he's espousing a message of murderous, you know, capital vengeance. Everyone's like, "Hmm, yeah, maybe this guy has a point." Okay. And because it goes with the society. Yeah, like John, that message is what that society yeah, wants. But John, how does that fit in with him then macking on his aunt and then killing her? Because again, like they can blame the butler. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the whole point yeah, this of is that. The prob- yeah, this is the problem I had. Is like it kind of knew which way it wanted to go. It felt like the first half they had a complete vision, and the other half they're like, okay, we kind of know where we want to go, and it- but we got to take the the long way around and make some like- exactly yeah. and make some like jumps, make some like logical leaps there. Because the other thing that happens is the rest of his family goes crazy. Well, yeah, or at least you know to get rid of the rest of the family. Again, these characters have to get their comeuppance. We need the dramatic irony. Yeah. So obviously Charles eventually gets kind of sent to an insane asylum as does the priest um, or Bishop or whatever he is. And you're right. Like, it kind of takes too long and meanders a bit when it's like clearly, oh, okay, these are the stakes set up by the story, this is the ultimate kind of dramatic irony you're reaching to. Why does it feel like this wasn't planned? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Why does this it feel like it doesn't set it up at all? <laughs> no. Yeah. I like I could understand if like earlier in the story we see how frustrated the Gurney family is with him and they have outbursts or something like that. Like again I could I could understand that if they set it up at all. But instead it felt like, you know it felt like they, they kinda cheated their way to the conclusion they wanted. <laughs> Exactly. And they didn't, and again, like didn't earn enough to care because we see the rest of the Gurney Gurney family get committed. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically, the the unfortunately lower class Tucker get uh, framed for murder. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't care. Like earlier I liked Tucker and the way he acted. But and by this point in the story, like I didn't care what happened to Tucker. I don't care what happens to this family. Exactly. I don't, I don't care that, you know, now Jack gets off scot-free because, again, yeah. it doesn't establish any of that. Like well, whereas it's before, like, when I see like Jack get, get cured, like I kind of like okay, like now I'm a little invested. Now I'm not invested anymore because he didn't do anything to earn that investment. Well, no, and it's like the kind of dark ending that it, you would think it would want to go for is everything kind of reaffirms the status quo. But again, yeah. it's like it wants to punish these characters for being assholes. But Jack is now like the ultimate asshole, <laughs> and he just gets rewarded for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's the ultimate dark kind of message they're going for. That I can understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But let's say, let's contrast, you mentioned Network earlier. That's another satire that kind of has like a downer ending. Mm-hmm. Like characters, characters don't really progress. What, whatever characters we do, like, don't have a happy ending. They're going to be as ambiguous as possible there, but not to spoil it. <laughs> Go see Network. It's great. But yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. But again, it felt, it felt like a hole. And I can kind of see why it was leading up to that, and, you know, I understand why. But here, because it didn't do the work of establishing why why Tucker now has to be framed for murder and taken away, why the uncle and the uh, Anglican priest have to be committed, and why Jack is now... See, again, I think it's just for basic story structure. Like, again, dramatic irony. These yeah, people it... need to come to bad ends for as retribution yeah, for I what know. they've done. But again, like, it's setting up this, the ultimate message of the story is that, like, society sustains itself mm-hmm. on kind of violence and imperialism. Yeah, this, this, and high, these ca- kind of this higher society, this higher English society, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So to have them kind of reach undesirable ends for kind of, for ingratiating themselves in their society kind of undercuts the message a little bit. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, again, they were they were doing their parts, Mm-hmm. But why do, now why do they get punished for it whereas like Jack gets off scot free? That's my yeah. You're right. And again, it's just too meandering. It goes on for way too long. She did not need to die. She did not get, need to get murdered. <laughs> I mean, aunt aunt did not and, need to get yeah, murdered. we should also explain we should also explain it. it literally climaxes with his his wife getting murdered by or Jack murdering his wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's completely out of nowhere. Cuz again, she literally comes into a scene where she was not part of. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we cut flash forward. They were actually in the room the whole time. Like, it's just, yeah, it's a yeah. little bizarre. Yeah. And you know, there's even, like, cuts with him, like, blood-curdling screams. <laughs> yeah, I hope my neighbors <laughs> didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's very odd. I mean, and that's the kind of, the, the problem with Absurdity is where do you lay it bare? Where do you stop it? Because the whole point mm. of Absurdity is it's meant to be cranked up to 11. So it's like, how do you pull that back towards the end? That's well, always the that's, that's always this kind of strange, and I think that's why absurdity is not for everybody. No, well, and that's the other thing too is I was wondering like, are we ever going to take Jack's mental illness seriously? And I feel like after he's confronted by the other crazy person who thinks he's God, mm-hmm. and he's eventually quote cured, mm-hmm. like I felt like okay, like now we're now we're dialing it back a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. now we are going to take this seriously, and now I'm invested in the in the mental health of Jack. Mm-hmm. And again, if it ended there, fine, perfect. But instead, it's like, instead it's the just the filmmakers telling me, oh, wouldn't it be great if all these characters you didn't like before get their comeuppance? Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a neat idea or whatever, but it does it does nothing to kind of earn that. It does nothing to really kind of pull me in. Instead, it just, like, you know, quickly jumps there and, you know, expects me to be satisfied with it when really it's done nothing to earn that exactly so that that's not to say there's not like funny or enjoyable things in this movie it just it just didn't kind of come together for me no i mean but i i understand again you're all about final product i'm about intentions like i can understand (laughs) Mm -hmm. why this movie kind of became a shaggy mess by the end because again this is absurdist stuff we're talking about here Mm. and again at one point did they stay like uh eh, we can cut this out we can roll this back no they obviously couldn't <laughs> because well, that's not what absurdism is about i know well john didn't they know that they could make more money if they cut it down to 2 hours and do more showings in a day <laughs> oh, if only they knew I they know. were they were so primitive and savage back then the <laughs> D- damn their artistic integrity <laughs> exactly <laughs> if martin Scorsese had made Travis Bickle more likable like ten percent more jokes just have someone you know punch it up a little bit <laughs> well no I feel like if he had made taxi driver three hours long oh had more scenes where he descends into madness like jack does mm-hmm. you know yeah maybe then maybe. it would have been a good, then it would have been worth watching for this podcast but yeah. obviously we'll never watch it for this no. podcast. Yeah. So. no and <laughs> it'll be forgotten like the ruling class <laughs> oh <laughs>
1: strong, must manipulate the weak, that's the first law of the universe. The hard survive, the soft quickly turn to corruption. This is a call to greatness. Approach this day or to battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense them according to their ways and their abominations that are in the midst of them. And they shall know that I am the Lord that smiter! Oh yes!
0: Again, other people's thoughts on this because I saw this doesn't uh, this has a shockingly low, low number of votes on IMDb, mm. and so like you know it's it's in the on the Criterion Collection. It obviously has this great reputation. I mean, it has the 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 pedigree of a Peter, a Peter O'Toole performance, you know, mm. a great one, a memorable one. Let's say, yeah, <laughs> I won't say great. Well, I, I, <laughs> it is culturally very specific to Great Britain, yeah, so yeah. I can kind of understand it didn't really make. Kind of a wide berth outside of that but yeah i mean i don't even remember where i like learned about this movie it's it's kind of one of those movies that i was just kind of like again i was in a wormhole you know where you kind of like click around and you start discovering things on either imdb or wikipedia and then this movie just kind of came up somehow and i was like what is this movie <laughs> maybe i was looking up the director i don't know yeah so, I I don't know. <laughs> no one knows, Greg, and that's no the point. No one knows. Yeah. Well, John, you <laughs> Life is just you an seem absurdness. Pos- seemed so positive earlier. I hope I didn't, I, I didn't mean to sway you, but No, like- you didn't sway me at all. I still love this movie. I still <laughs> okay. thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I don't look forward to watching it again anytime soon, but <laughs> I do I will probably watch it again one day. Okay. And I'll probably love it all the more. Cuz that's how you know if you truly love a movie. You'll revisit it and find even more to love. Uh, disagree. Um, oh, oh, Greg, oh, Greg. We'll, we'll, we'll help you one day. Yeah. We're gonna cure you. We're going I'm just gonna show up one day, pretending to be Thor, the god of thunder, and, I, and I'm gonna and shock you. I, I, in in sharp contrast to the movie, I will overpower you with the power of love. Mm, sexy. Yeah. John. Speaking of love, mm-hmm. let's talk about things that we love oh, and want great. to share with our audience. These transitions are just so good, I can't handle it. I know. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll do some bad ones. I'll do some. <laughs> I'll do some <laughs> oh, we've had some bad ones before. Oh, oh, definitely, yeah. But John, let's 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 share with the audience what we've seen recently. Yes, let's share a little bit of spotlight. 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 It's
1: time, Robbie. It's time.
0: Greg, what do you have for spotlight? Well, actually, you should start because you're you, John. You've got the big one here. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see this movie because it literally sold out of every theater in the greater Los Angeles area. (laughs) Yes, I had to go see it this weekend because it's an event, guys. It's huge. Okay, it's huge. We're talking about the opening weekend of Black Panther. (laughs) I you were, we're talking about the opening weekend of Early Man, <laughs> <laughs> the latest from Nicholas Park and Arden. And I didn't even and want and to American see animation. how low that opened. I was so I was so scared because I was I, you know I root for those movies every time they come out, but they yeah. never do well in American box office. No, it's tragic. Yeah, even though they are good, go see Pirates, Band of Misfits. Oh my god, like so that. good, yeah. so good. Yeah, or if you're English, uh, what is it? Pirates in the Adventures with the Scientists. It's a convoluted <laughs> title, whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Artman Entertainment. Uh, or sorry, Artman Animation. Thumbs up. But John, yes. Black Panther. What did black you think Panther. of Black Panther? It was pretty good. <laughs> what wait, pretty good? Yes. Just how racist are you, John? <laughs> well, this is a, I this mean, is a revolution in filmmaking, alright? This'll this'll be a sacred text. This is this is already a front runner for Oscars. And <laughs> uh the AFI's next uh, top one hundred list. <laughs> I have so many problems with this movie. I know. Eight. Yeah. All Panthers are black, but the title's redundant. not not true panthers are i thought they're jaguars with um uh jaguars i said that weird (laughs) technically they're they're all the same cat they're the same cat as a jaguar just their their fur is different right is that yes so leopards jaguars and panthers are all the same big cat they Uh just have different spots got it okay and so i don't think I, I don't even know if panthers are native to Africa. <laughs> I thought they were only native to South America. Yeah, anyway, that was our quick uh, tension into uh, the biology of big cats. <laughs> but I think we're getting a little off track here. <laughs> yeah. John, you have problems. <laughs> uh, it's just, look, again, I, ta- I talked about this when I talked about Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's the same story, just dressed up differently. And don't get me wrong, the way they dressed up this movie is exceptional like okay. the production this, design yeah, is Again, gorgeous. I didn't I haven't seen this yet, but I'm nervous cuz they they pretty much turned it into an alien world. And I, I they're <laughs> trying to make a point with it, but like yeah, it's it's literally alienating. No, to I think it's it, it is it is quite alien, but what the difference is, you know, they've made 3 uh 4 movies and none of them ever make Asgard feel like a real place. Well, but, yeah, I mean this world feels so lived in. It feels kind of so well-rounded. And maybe that's because it's also kind of populated with characters who all have their own motivation and they're all well-rounded and all their stories kind of come to a nice little neat little conclusion. So I I gotta give it credit for that. It's a very well-constructed movie. But also littered with cliches. So like again, that's where I can't quite square because again, Marvel movies are obviously a great time of the movies. You can always recommend them. But they're basically the film equivalent of McDonald's. They're not going to challenge you. They're not going to give you the nutrition you really require, which is a shame because this movie is trying to make more of a kind of sociopolitical point than most of the Marvel movies. I just don't think it goes far enough. Okay. Yeah. That's That was the other thing I was going to say because like last, the equivalent to this last year was Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. kind of like our for, the first – I won't say the first ever, but the first serious blockbuster to – or superhero blockbuster sent around a woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that movie's not overtly political, you know, about, like, its girl power message. It just it happened to coincide with the time yeah. that... And the, just by, and again, I, I understand that representation is important. Yeah. And just by existing, it's already succeeding. Mm-hmm. Like, just the fact that there is a movie populated completely by black people and one token white guy. Is that's an accomplishment in and of itself. <laughs> well, again, like uh, and no, again, who, just, who better, who better than the kind of beguiled uh, sidekick than Martin Friedman? <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I mean, we've we've always had movies populated exclusively by, by black, you know, by black actors and actresses. I mean, don't forget Girls Trip. I mean, come on. Oh, but, of course, <laughs> Girls Trip. <laughs> and but a never, a never <laughs> one that could open $200 dollars $200 plus on the on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. yeah. Yeah. Um, But again, like I, I don't think it goes far enough getting to that kind of socio-political message, and I do think the critics are giving it a little too much credit. Like a lot of, a lot of the common headline is like Marvel finally makes a movie for an adult. Did they not see Ant-Man? <laughs> no, and I totally agree because when the spaceships are going pew pew at each other with the <laughs> lasers at the end, I'm totally like, yes, this is a film for adults. <laughs> Well, come on. Let's get in a little more detail. Like, uh, like those chari- Like, what do you think of like Chadwick Boseman as? Um, it's it's Fi- kind of finally a- not playing a, 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 a um, an important historical figure like Jackie Robinson, James Brown, or yeah, Thurman exactly. Marshall. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of he clearly he's still very much in that lane because again, he's a man of, of stoic, quiet dignity. Oh, I see. And it's so it's a very not kind of showy performance. And so a, a common criticism is he's the most boring character in the movie. Okay. But he's the main character. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, I, he does okay. Um, yeah, uh, the star of the show is uh, Latasha Wright, who plays uh, his younger sister and kind of his cue. By the way, in the second okay. act, it becomes a Bond movie. Completely <laughs> nice. like infiltrating a casino. <laughs> like, it's very weird. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> There's a lot of kind of, like, international intrigue. Okay. And uh, she's just having a ball playing this character, because she's, like, very bubbly and bouncy, and she's a tech whiz. She's like, look what I came up with. <laughs> it's very fun. Okay. Um, but uh, And Andy Circus is great, but, uh, spoiler alert, they kill him, so I'm kind of bummed we don't see him for future movies. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I, that's the thing. He was... It, he was introduced and given such short shrift in um what was it age of ultron? Gosh, yeah, these movies exactly. Just all blend together, don't they? <laughs> I know, yeah. And it's like again, this is the problem why Marvel has no good villains because again, they have to kill him by the end. Yeah. Well, John, you didn't uh, even, you didn't you haven't even brought up the villain yet. Michael B Jordan. Oh, that's who he, everybody that's who I thought you were going to say is the real star of the show. He it, he's really good in it, but again, it's because everything around him has has laser focused into this character being such an outsider. Because the idea is that the whole cast is obviously Wakandan. They all come from Africa and they're all, you know, aristocrats. So they all speak very formally in Mm -hmm. their African accents. And then you have the villain, Killmonger, a kid from Oakland, a (laughs) poor kid from Oakland. I'm sorry. His name is silly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, they they try to give an explanation. He was apparently like a CIA secret agent who was like killed a lot of people. So that's why he's got that nickname. Um, But he plays a poor kid who's of Wakandan ancestry, but who grew up in Oakland. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he gets to Wakanda, infiltrates this inner circle, and just walks up with all this, like, swagger, like, nah, fam, you're good. (laughs) So it's just, the contrast of it is just great. And and Michael B. Jordan just brings so much charisma to the part. It's just hilarious. Nice. Well, now, my worry was, again, you talk about Marvel not having very interesting villains, (laughs) because they are, like, literally just, like, kind of uh the the boringest mirror version of mm-hmm. the uh our, our hero mm-hmm. so in iron man you have iron man facing off against another iron man exactly yeah and, and it's it's literally the same thing here yeah um again it sets a more of a contrast because again uh black panther is you know a royal kingly stoic kind of person and you have um, michael b jordan playing someone who's obviously a lot flashier comes from a more kind of working class background. So there's more of that contrast. But yes, eventually yeah. he does take the secondary Black Panther suit. They even set up that. Mm. Um, there's two kind of Black Panther suits that he gets to choose from. One has a gold, like, audacious necklace, Mm -hmm. and the other one is just kind of like a simple string with teeth on it. Guess which one Chadwick Boseman chooses? (laughs) Guess which one Michael B. Jordan chooses? (laughs) Uh, Great. So that's, again, setting up the contract. So Chadwick Boseman chooses the flashy one, right? I'm assuming. Oh, of course, because he's the king. Obviously, he's, yeah. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) So again, good setup and payoffs. It's just kind of like the story is nothing kind of you haven't seen before. The production values, obviously, is everything you like. Is nothing like you've seen before, which is kind okay. of really amazing. But again, it's it's a good time at the movies, so you can't say no. Okay, yeah. that's what it seems. Yeah, again, it's it's a. Uh, it seems like, I, again, I preserve judgment. I haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. but uh, much like Wonder Woman, it's a good like crowd pleasing superhero movie. Mm. Like again, but <laughs> because of the cultural surrounding it, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, it's kind of suddenly maybe. we're elevating it to you know like, a, a huge cinematic achievement, which, you mm-hmm. know... I mean, obviously, I'm glad it exists. Like, in a world that Black Panther exists is obviously a lot richer without it, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go see it! Yeah, sure. And it it needs the support, because, man, its box office is not doing hot. I just... <laughs> Uh, you're joking, right? <laughs> yes, I'm joking. Okay, <laughs> just making sure you you deliver that very earnestly. I mean, no, I am I trying to be sarcastic. Right? Okay, I lace everything with irony. I've never like I hated the ruling class. It was garbage. It was a garbage <laughs> movie. <laughs> John, yeah, John. Now you're really confusing me because you're right. You're right in that respect. You should. <laughs> no, it's a great time. Right. Go see you both. Well, John, I'm sorry. I, you know, you can you and you can go enjoy your mainstream popcorn fare. Oof. I, on the other hand, uh, will go to the local art house to enjoy a real piece of high-class cinema. Oh dear! Yes. Oh my! My I monocle just popped up. Yes, I saw another form of the ruling class in mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson's latest uh, joint, *The Phantom mm-hmm. Thread*. Or sorry, just ah. *Phantom Thread*. Excuse me. Ah, yes. Yeah. This is the Christopher Nolan biopic. I remember this. <laughs> Wait, why, why Christopher Nolan? Why, I don't understand. Oh, you didn't hear that story? No. Um. Uh, he. Uh, there's a. Who's his wife? Emma Thompson. A- Emma Thomas is. Uh. Yeah. His wife's name. And she. Pro- she's a movie producer. who Produces all of it, all of his movies. She was doing an interview, and she said, like, "Oh, my husband hates the Phantom Thread because we saw it as a family, and now all my all the children refer to uh, Christopher Nolan as Mr. Woodcock." <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- which gives you a window into his personality. I'm it. sure. Yes. So this movie is about a a very committed uh, dressmaker. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, kind of the uh, how analogous it is to a filmmaker who obviously puts his his craft and his work above any anything else in his life. Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie starts, but it it develops it develops into a romance between him and a uh, simple uh, a simple waitress, a, a woman. Oh, I should say simple. <laughs> that makes me <it> sound stupid. <laughs> Just this basic bitch of a waitress, <laughs> <laughs> but a. Uh, a woman who's uh, actually not from England um, a woman of very simple taste named Alma mhm who's played by a, a new co- like an actress i never heard of uh Vicky Vicky Kleips, um, who's from Luxembourg yeah you know, very interesting a brilliant performance in her in her respect too but it's very it's it's very quiet <laughs> very tasteful and unlike uh movies uh, uh Paul Thomas the Paul Thomas Anderson's last two movies you kind of see where it's going Oh, okay. Yeah. So, again, you've, you've got the strong establishment um, with, again, another, as expected, strong performance by Daniel Day-Lewis playing this uh, essentially, like, workaholic creep, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Come have dinner with me. Yeah, but what, yeah, but what the relationship does is, um, is kind of, you know, f- uh, foster a lot of drama between, you know, his work and the company, the dressmaking company that he owns with his sister oh okay and so that's that's kind of the source of the drama um i will say halfway through is when it gets a little enigmatic Mm. that's when you get to that okay mr anderson what mr paul thomas anderson what are you going for (laughs) (laughs) which you can kind of see in like the master in punch drunk love and and definitely inherent vice like what are you what are you trying to say (laughs) well i think i think you can kind of pick out the themes of most of his movies I just don't think the story kind of lends itself to a nice kind of neat conclusion with the exception of maybe there will be blood Um, like the master for instance is very loose Uh, obviously is not meant to kind of come to a satisfying conclusion but you get the themes there you understand what he's trying to say yeah and here about about halfway through, I'll I'll try to be as ambiguous as possible here. But about halfway through, yeah. a character uh, makes a decision, a potentially life and death decision, John, which is mm-hmm. somewhat where the the phantom part of the thread comes in. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So the the stakes are high, and we should and I, I do like the drama, like some kind of like quality, tasteful laughs, like probably what you expect out of a period, like li- literal costume drama as this is, because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is about dressmaking. <laughs> so. Would you describe it as chic, Greg? I'd... Oh, <laughs> it's hilarious you bring that up. Did you know yeah. about this? I knew about that. <laughs> oh, I okay. Asked. Yes, <laughs> we should say. Um, you know, there's also some uh, some pushback from uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character on uh, the future because this is this is the height of haute couture in the '50s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, obviously, obviously, there's going to be a big sea change in the '60s, and he's kind of uh, fighting against that, <laughs> mm-hmm. particularly Again, the word like, chic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something that comes up whenever you do a movie about artists you know how mm-hmm. particular and obsessive they are but also how unwilling they are to adapt to change to changing styles so I know that eventually becomes like a certain uh, plot element yeah I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to see it I really wanted to see this movie but uh, you know we don't have as many art houses there <laughs> down in San Diego okay we have the beautiful beaches no, so we don't not. need movies that i know, john that's a bold-faced lie last time i talked to you again audience you're gonna hear this <laughs> it's not that john couldn't find the art house cinema it's that he was too cheap to pay a full price oh. ticket he was only looking for whatever took his movie pass <laughs> how dare you yes. okay i had to slum i paid it. full price <laughs> i had to slum it because 3D ones aren't supported by MoviePass, so I had to see Black Panther in 2D, like a philistine. Yeah, well, that's much be- much better. <laughs> nah. you lucked out there. No, I want to see the bad special effects in 3D. <laughs> I want to see the rubbery humans coming at me. You didn't see. You didn't say that earlier. <laughs> I did. Okay, I, it's not as bad as people are saying, but yes, the special effects are a little spotty. In yeah, okay. All right, yeah. yeah. Well, t- again, they've got how, they do like three movies a year. This is. <laughs> They got a rush. At least, like you know, HBO—they're permitted to take their time with the special effects in Game of Thrones or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah. So good. But anyway, that's enough excuse making for Marvel, biggest biggest movie company in the world right now. <laughs> Guys, give <him> a chance. <laughs> yeah. I know. You, well, you won't find any special effects. Is Phantom Thread? I don't think. Oh, I mean, bringing it back. Craig's got to get us back on track. Uh, beautiful. I'm sure he beautiful. Used, like, I'm sure he used green screen. I'm sure they used some kind of special <laughs> effects to make the vistas pop. Yeah. I, I I found it interesting. Um, apparently, it was done. It was photographed by committee. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is the credited cinematographer, but he admitted mm-hmm. like he doesn't have the technical knowledge to run you know thirty five millimeter camera uh, thirty five millimeter film camera. So okay. they hired a bunch of people, and he he got the credit the end credit for it. So interesting. Um, so again, that's beautiful. Production design is beautiful. Again, like filming in real locations. I I love these um, driving scenes because they go back and forth between London and the country. Mm. Those are great in his in his uh, in his like Bristol coach <laughs> coach built car or something like, you know, it's all very ornate ornate and it is kind of like a it is escapist fair in that way because it is, it is high class society and you have this uh, woman Alma like an immigrant like kind of you know, finding her way in there uh, immigrant mm-hmm. even though we don't really know where she comes from. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is where the kind of second half, you know, twist comes in. There's, there's an implication that she doesn't, uh, she's not a fan of the uh, royal princess that uh, Daniel Day Lewis is making a dress for. Oh. But that's, I I will admit, that's never really spoken of again. Turns out she's a spy. (laughs) It could have gone that direction. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. But oh, damn. Yeah. So, I'll say, really strong film. Mm. Again, not, not entirely satisfying. Because again, like you, you, you kind of lose some things. Like you really have to, like you know, bring your own interpretation to it at times. But, <laughs> but again, in terms of you know just being an an awesome drama machine, you know, between uh, this this enigmatic artist, this gorgeous woman, and um, her uh, the the prim sister, you know, you you can't help but love it. All I want is comparisons. Is it better or worse than the master? Uh, I'll say better. Okay. I'll, is I'll, it well? Is uh, it better or worse than there will be blood? Oh, John, come on. What what movies are better than there will be? Blood? Good I mean, trick that's question. All right, yeah. you passed. You passed. Good job. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I would say it can draw a lot of comparisons to the master, um, just because it is about this relationship. Mm-hmm. But again, it's better at wringing drama out of it. You know, I'm I'm thinking of the scenes in the master that just kind of like end <laughs> with. Yeah. You know, but also, it seems yeah. like the sister is kind of playing the Amy Adams role. Which is the kind of matriarch of this kind of larger organization it, it is, um but I think she's better characterized here. like you understand where she's coming from in terms of like looking out for her in terms of the love of her brother and the need to look after the business mm-hmm. and their workers too. we should also explain like you know they're they're real dressmakers <laughs> actually they cast real dressmakers in the movie, and again the, oh. the work and the uh, you know the work that they do was exquisite so. <laughs> even if you think like, oh that's I'm oh, not I'm not going to that stupid, you know, dress movie, whatever and it's for girls, you know, it's <laughs> that dumb dress movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> there only one movie can kinda like they, they colonize certain subjects. So Jurassic Park is the dinosaur movie. Good point. Every other mo every other dinosaur movie is redundant. Yep. Jaws is the shark movie. Exactly. And this is the dressmaking movie. <laughs> okay, good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Devil Wears Prada, but okay. Uh, that's not about making dresses. That's about working at a magazine. Fashion. Uh, Paris Week, you guys. Look forward to our special Paris Week-themed episode, whatever yes. that is. fashion week-themed episode, whenever that is. First movie of the week, Blow Up. Second movie of the week, Devil Wears Prada. Is Blow Up about a dress? It's about photography. I think it's about fashion photography. Right? Wait, is it fashion? I guess, yeah, he is a fashion photographer. Yeah, right. come on. Whatever, it's on the schedule. We'll we'll watch it later. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Oh, we'll we'll I mean I, I right. love I love ending this episode this way where you get mistaken for something and you look like at <laughs> it. I mean happens. I look yeah, forward I to that every week now. <laughs> but because we've been talking over an hour, I lose my marbles. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore. I know. <laughs> what are we doing now? Oh yeah. Uh, social media. Uh, I, do- I Twitter, was about to say, Facebook. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what does make sense. Uh, social media. There, <laughs> there's my, there's my B minus. Oh segue. God, that's not even B minus. It's like D plus. <laughs> okay, yeah. Follow us on social media. Yeah, we've got a Twitter account at Aspiring Snobs. We got a Facebook page, Aspiring mm-hmm. Snobs. There's no confusion there. We're the only one you'll find when you search for it. <laughs> and then. If you want to reach out to us directly, you can always email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. Yes. The, the ruling class was the first big disagreement we've had in a while. So, exactly. Please adjudicate. Tell us who, who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And if you think I'm in the wrong, then I don't want to hear it. So, you know, <laughs> keep your opinions to yourself. Exactly. In fact, if you like the show, share it and maybe write a review. Maybe you could share it with your friends and maybe give us a subscribe on Stitcher uh-huh. or Apple Podcasts or any podcast service of your choice. Yeah. You, you decide. Yeah. And again, if you don't like the show, just keep it to yourself, you know. Yeah. No no reason to add more negativity to the world, it's fine. I know, gosh. Donald Trump is still in office, so come right. on. <laughs>
1: <Be nice. laughs>
0: we can't we nice. can't get away we can't get away from it, can we? <laughs> no. No, we can't. <laughs> no. <sighs> Greg, yeah. what are we watching next week? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> Let's look at ourselves in the mirror and just see, like, oh my gosh, how wonderful the art of cinema is. Yes. Because we're looking at uh, the 1987 Italian classic Cinema Paradiso. Just in time for the Oscars, we're going to be celebrating movies all over again. Yeah, movies about movies. That's what it's really about. Those are the best movies. Mm-hmm. Haven't you ever looked at your navel and thought, like, I'm going to gaze at that for a while? <laughs> just look at that. Like, Wow so deep it's, it's amazing that we haven't transformed that to like belly button peering or something like
1: <laughs> there's no, so many navel, fun ways navel to say it but is what we go with yeah. yeah no
0: navel gazing is the only one without attraction for some reason yeah. <laughs> areola staring i don't know <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our thesaurus based jokes yes <laughs> but unfortunately it is time to end thank you everybody for listening so until next time Keep staring at your areola <laughs> and keep aspiring.
1: Here is the brag. See how it goes. Down on your heels, up on your toes. That's the way to do the varsity drag. This is Pickett Jones and Mrs. Treadwell. You can pass many a class, whether you're dumb or wise, if you Answer the call and when your professor cries. Everybody down, down on the heels, heels, up on the toes. The Stay after to school, learn how it goes. Everybody do the varsity, everybody do the varsity.